an international station for an international city. This is Radio 3. Good morning and welcome to the Working Week. This is Money Talk on Radio 3, live from Hong Kong on Monday the 10th of January 2022. The Times 8.03. Peter Lewis here with the top business headlines for you. Fitch Ratings warned Friday that Hong Kong's sudden tightening of restrictions on travel and social activity poses new risks to the SAR's economy, public finances, credit rating and its role as an international business hub, especially if the government seeks to adhere strictly to a so-called zero-COVID approach. The US unemployment rate dropped to 3.9% in December from 4.2% the prior month, providing a green light for the Fed to raise interest rates. That was despite a much lower than expected 199,000 new jobs created last month. But the slower pace of hiring was offset by a jump in average hourly earnings of 4.7% on a year-on-year basis from an upwardly revised 5.1% the previous month. MTR Corporation has told staff they must be vaccinated with at least one dose of a COVID jab by February the 23rd, otherwise they won't be allowed to enter the company's premises. The city's rail operator will not accept regular testing as an alternative. The company said the move is aimed at protecting staff and passengers in view of the coronavirus situation in Hong Kong. On today's Money Talk, we're joined by Alex Wong from Ample Capital and Iris Pang of ING Wholesale Banking. With a view from mainland China is Ben Cavender at the China Market Research Group. Do please get in contact with any questions or comments. Text 63935925. Email moneytalk at rthk.hk. Post on our Facebook page, Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3, or send us a tweet at Money Talk Radio 3. Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. On Wall Street on Friday, tech shares and U.S. Treasuries fell following the strong jobs report, leaving the major indices down over the first week of 2022. The S&P 500 index fell for a fourth day, declining 0.4% to 4,677. For the week, it was down 1.9%, its worst start to a year since 2016. The information technology sub-index of the S&P 500 fell 1%, taking its loss for the week to 4.7%. But the S&P Airlines industry rose over 7% last week, its best week since early November, as Omicron worries faded. The Nasdaq Composite Index closed 1% lower for a weekly loss of 4.5%, the biggest since February 2021. The Dow was down just 5 points at 36,232, a fall of a third of a percent for the week as investors rotated into value stocks out of growth plays. Nearly all the mega cap tech stocks finished the week lower. Energy and financial stocks led the gains last week. The Pan-European Stock 600 index fell a third of a percent over the week. London's FTSE 100, that jumped 1.4% higher last week. Hong Kong stocks closed the first week of the new year on a positive note on Friday as traders shrugged off worries about a fresh COVID outbreak in the city and the prospect of higher US interest rates. The Hang Seng Index climbed 1.8% or 421 points to 23,493, leaving it 0.4% higher for the week. 
The Hang Seng Tech Index continued its rebound, rising as much as 1.8% Friday, following a 1.4% rise the previous day, but it was down 2.9% for the week. The Shanghai Composite Index eased 0.2% to 3,580. It was down 1.7% for the week. And on Friday, the chairman of the China Securities Regulatory Commission was quoted by state-run broadcaster CCTV as pledging to stabilise markets and prevent wild price swings. The Shanghai Stock Exchange suspended trading in several bonds of Chinese property developer Shimeo after it missed the 645 million yuan repayments due to China Credit Trust Company. Shimeo bond, maturing in July, collapsed to 49 cents on the dollar after having previously been trading at more than 70 cents on the dollar. And in Hong Kong, Shimeo's shares fell 5% on Friday after dropping over 5% the previous day. In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil jumped over 5% last week and is trading this morning at $81.76 a barrel. Copper dropped 1.3% over the week. Gold was down almost 2% over the five days to $1,795 an ounce. The US 10-year Treasury bond yield rose four basis points to 1.77%, with yields briefly topping 1.8%, the highest level since January 2020. The 10-year yield jumped 25 basis points over the past five trading days, its biggest weekly rise in 28 months. The US dollar index dropped half a percent on Friday, but was marginally higher over the week. The euro is trading this morning at $1.13.5. The Japanese yen is at 115.6 versus the dollar. One British pound buys $1.35 and three quarters cents and 10 Hong Kong dollars and 59 cents. The Chinese yuan is 0.4% weaker over the last five trading days at 6.38 and a half versus the dollar. And Bitcoin has fallen to the lowest level since September 2021 following the unrest in Kazakhstan which is thought to process nearly a fifth of all the world's Bitcoin mining because of its cheap electricity. On Friday, Bitcoin hit a low of $40,700, down from 47000 at the beginning of the week, and its November peak of more than $60,000. And it's trading this morning at $41,800. And in stock markets around Asia, uh, Japanese markets are closed for the coming of age day, but stocks are open in Australia. The SX200 off a quarter of a percent. The Nikkei, uh, the, the Cosby in South Korea down about 0.9% and futures markets pointing to a rise of about 30 points for the Hang Seng at the open this morning. It's 8.10. Let's welcome our guests both on the phone this morning. We have with us Alex Wong, Director of Asset Management at Ample Capital. Morning, Alex. Hi, morning, Peter. And also with us, Iris Pang, who is Chief Greater China Economist at ING Wholesale Banking. Happy New Year, Iris. Happy New Year, Peter. Thank you. Fitch Ratings warned Friday that Hong Kong's sudden tightening of restrictions on travel and social activity poses new risks to the SAR's economy, public finances, credit rating and its role as an international business hub, especially if the government adheres strictly to a so-called zero-COVID approach. Fitch said the new wave of restrictions is likely to dampen economic growth prospects, posing downside risks to its current forecast that the economy will expand by 3% in 2022. 
and the delay to the start date for the planned quarantine travel free corridor with the mainland will dampen the near-term outlook for cross-border leisure travel and business as well as Hong Kong's retail sector and the credit ratings agency also warned that the tightening of restrictions on international arrivals will create further obstacles to the territory's ability to serve as a regional headquarters for foreign multinationals and Fitch also noted that Hong Kong's fiscal reserves have already seen a marked decline since the onset of the pandemic in 2020 and risks to the SAR's public finances will be compounded if the territory experiences further threats from subsequent waves of the COVID-19 pandemic, assuming the government continues to adhere to its zero-COVID approach. Um, so, Alex, let me ask you, first of all, Fitch's uh, forecast for the economy. It seems now substantial downside risks to its 3% growth forecast for this year. Uh, do you agree with that assessment? Yeah, I think that that depends a lot on uh, how this um, current lockdown policies will last. So um, this is an, an unknown because we have seen uh, several um, waves of a lockdown in Hong Kong already. So um, we need to see how long it will last. But of course, uh, uh, we would be uh, dampened by that, uh, that policy. Iris, are you changing your forecasts for Hong Kong's economy as a, as a result of these latest restrictions? And, and do you agree with Fitch? Um, actually, I'm not changing my forecast because I have to uh, <laughs> include this kind of scenario into my forecast. I agree with Fitch only partially. The first thing is that Alex uh, pointed out right that how long this will last, no one knows. And the other thing is that what is the chance of actually further tightening of the social distancing measures, for example, um, uh, uh, making students studying at home and uh, office worker working at home, working from home. So this is something that we don't know. But I am I I have a feeling that the government is restraining themselves to go back to the most severe um, lockdown measures for Hong Kong. So I think that um, fish m- may not got the message right. And if this goes on, though, for longer than two weeks, because um, we haven't seen here in Hong Kong before um, restrictions last just for two weeks or anywhere else in the world for that matter, um, then does Fitch's uh, report sound more credible? Um, I think whether it will last for more than two weeks depends on how fast the, the, uh, the, the COVID is spreading. For now, it's likely that it is it will be longer than two weeks, but longer than two weeks means uh, means actually a lot of variations. Is that one month or is that three months? We don't know. So um, we we have to actually adjust ourselves more flexibly. And I have heard some voices um, from actually some logistic workers and also some catering businesses. They said that they are they have got used to this and they have been more well prepared than the last time. Mm. We had Simon Wong last week who heads the Federation of Restaurants. He warned that the sector, the restaurant sector, faces missing out on $8 billion of business if, if this goes on to the Lunar New Year period and that trade could fall by 40% in the first two months of the year. That would have pretty uh, devastating impact, wouldn't it, on the, on the restaurant sector? I believe that um, he is comparing to the uh, pre-COVID level 
and I, I don't think that this is quite reasonable. We have to uh, compare to last year, uh, like uh, we have uh, COVID last year. So I don't think that the difference will be uh, much big than 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 the pre uh, than when he pointed out the numbers, which should be referring to the uh, pre-COVID level. Alex, let me ask you about Fitch's uh, claim that this has an impact on the role on Hong Kong's role as an international business hub because of all the cancellations of flights completely banned from certain countries. We're hearing reports of some Hong Kong CEOs now trapped overseas over the uh, the Christmas and New Year period and can't get back. Do you think it does impact Hong Kong's role as an international business hub? Well, I think uh, it depends how long uh, this policy will last. Uh, this, I think, uh, would not uh, dampen too much uh, because um, uh, this situation may not be permanent. So I think uh, they would still look at other other values of Hong Kong. So. Um, of course, it will have some impact, but I, I doubt the impact will be that much. Do you think the government needs to provide more support measures to affected businesses and, and employees? Probably uh, to the uh, restaurants and, and uh, to, to those uh, retail-related sectors, but mm-hmm. not to everyone, I think. Yeah. Iris, what, what do you think about the impact on Hong Kong's role as an international business hub? The first thing is that for the financial sector, um, I think... Um, Hong Kong has fewer cases, a lot fewer cases compared to London and New York. So I don't think that this is this is a factor that affects the role of Hong Kong as a financial international financial center. For other businesses, I think Alex, yes, um, retail will be hurt. So there will be, I think, some some relief measures for catering and other affected. Um, industries that have to close for business um, because of the social distancing measures. But whether it will be like last year that we have a consumption voucher, I really doubt it. Mm. I don't think that the government will hand out another year of consumption voucher. Could we afford it? Fitch was saying, uh, was warning of the impact on our public finances. Uh, Our reserves, which were about 1.2 trillion Hong Kong dollars, last month have fallen to about $812 billion as of September. Um, is it starting to get to, to levels where alarm bells are ringing about our public finances? No, not yet. Uh, there, there will be, it will be a long way to go, but um, the government has to prepare for the aging population and therefore they are actually, they look very thrifty mm-hmm. on spending the the government uh, money but they have their reasons which is which is a good reason alex what what do you think are, are you alarmed at all about the drop in our reserves and the impact of all of these pandemic pandemic yeah, measures that, that, that is still a long way to go uh and the government actually would be quite prudent to, to spend so i think uh, uh this is of course the, the current situation is not too good but uh it is still too not not, not too, too dangerous for Hong Kong right now. Yeah. Okay. Let me switch and ask you about the US jobs report. Uh, the unemployment rate dropped to 3.9% in December from 4.2% the previous month. 199,000 new jobs created, far less than the 400,000 economists were forecasting. 
But the slower pace of hiring was offset by a jump in average hourly earnings of 4.7% on a year-on-year basis. Alex, this is now um, the second consecutive month, isn't it, of a mixed jobs report, lower than expected jobs growth, but a sharply lower unemployment rate and a big jump in hourly earnings. What do you make of it? I think the market is focusing on the um, wage uh, increase. So uh, this is uh, still hurting the market sentiment. And and also, I think the market is uh, is um, is um, giving the, the 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 job creation a little bit uh, uh, room because of the this is affected by the uh, COVID situation in, in 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 the US. So I think the market actually welcomes the the overall situation is, uh, is is still quite strong, and and the labor situation labor situation is still quite tight. So that's why uh, the the bond yield actually continues to rise. Do you think the Fed now is the, the unemployment rate has now dropped below four percent? It's at three point nine percent, not far off now the pre-pandemic sort of mm. normal of about three and a half percent. Do you think that's sort of like a critical level now for the Fed with the unemployment rate dropping below four uh, percent, which really says, okay, it's time to raise rates. I think uh, the market already discounted that the Fed would, would uh, raise rate sooner than, than expected because uh, uh, I think that they more focus on the uh, inflation side and the and the wage inflation actually is is, is still quite strong. So uh, the the number is low, and but I think that the, the more concerning number actually is, is on the wage inflation. Okay, Iris, what are your thoughts on the US jobs reports? I think um, when the job market is turning to from a very negative to slight positive, we have this kind of mixed messages. Um, I think every cycle is similar. So um, I'm not surprised by this mixed messages. The thing is that whether uh, after a quarter or so, this mixed messages becomes clearer in the trend, and then we can confirm uh, recovery. But this is now... Um, the whole world is now affected by Omicron, and then that it could be another um, variant. I don't know, but if this is not clear, um, it is actually very difficult for um, some industries to get all employees to work. Mm. So um, that it, we have to watch um, for for a longer period than the usual cycle. But the mixed message is, is usual. And, and do you think the Fed is in a bit of a bind in that um, it, it clearly wants to raise rates? It, it's under pressure to do something about um, about uh, inflation. But at the same time, it could be raising rates just as the economy is slowing, just as inflation is hitting a peak and as it may have to deal with Omicron. So I think the fl- Fed is has to be... Um, flexible on this because, uh, yes, inflation is high. They have to actually um, bring it down. But um, when the the number of times they rate um, the interest rates can be uh, more flexible if, if um, COVID is coming back as a wave. Alex, let me ask you about bond yields. We've got the 10-year Treasury yield now at its highest level uh, since early 2020. Are you surprised at all about just how far and how fast uh, bond yields have risen this year? Yeah, of course, because this is, this is a very um, strong rise in one week. And I think uh, the market actually is reacting to the um, tapering expectations and also the, um, the, 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 the hike expectation, actually, is sooner than 
before. So that's uh, it's a very rapid uh, rising bond yield. A little bit surprising to me, yeah. And how much of a headwind is it for stocks going forward? Actually, it's create a uh, polarized uh, market because uh, people are now switching into those uh, old economy uh, value stocks mm. and then switching out of those um, uh, high growth, high valuation stocks. So uh, we would have a polarized market. Actually, the, the overall market sentiment actually is not too bad because uh, people are switching from one sector to another. Mm. So the overall indices actually are not too bad. But uh, this is uh, creating a uh, bull market and bear market uh, uh, together. So um, so the, the overall impact is quite huge. And stocks often perform well in years when the central bank is in the early stages of tightening monetary policy. So do you think overall markets can get through this? I think, I think if you look at the current situation, I think the market can get through it because uh, we should be much lower than the current level if the market actually is bearish. So um, I think that they just are bearish on those are high growth, high valuation stocks, and they actually are picking up values. So um, overall situation actually is not too bad. The sentiment actually is quite, quite okay. Iris, the other side of the coin, of course, is that people say you shouldn't be in equity markets when the Fed is reducing liquidity. And that's exactly what they're talking about now. They're starting to talk about not just tapering, but actually reducing their balance sheet. Yeah, um, I think the the argument is quite interesting. Um, the the reason behind the fast tapering is that a stronger economy. And with a stronger economy, um, overall uh, companies earn more, and the bottom line should be more, uh, should be higher, or uh, have a higher growth. So uh, I think that um, this will be the main factor that affects the stock market. It's not just liquidity. Okay. Well, thank you both very much. You heard there, Iris Peng, Chief Greater China Economist at ING Wholesale Banking, and Alex Wong. Who's director of asset management at Ample Capital? You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio Three. It's 8.25. Time to go up to Shanghai and talk with Ben Cavender, managing director at the China Market Research Group. Morning, Ben, and happy New Year. Good morning, happy New Year. Thank you. We haven't had a very good start, have we, for for Chinese A shares at the uh, at the beginning of this new year? What do you put that down to? Oh, well, I think everybody's just assessing. There's still a lot of concern about uh, the consumer market here, and I think there's still, I think, a concern as well, um, just about big tech um, and you know whether or not some of those valuations were still too high. Um, I think you know, kind of what we've seen globally is a shift now towards maybe putting money instead into companies that are a little bit more of a value play right now. So I think that that is the the cause of a lot of the angst. Um, But I don't think it means that we're in for a bumpy ride over the course of the year, Um, except for the fact that right now China is dealing with these persistent city lockdowns, which I think is is giving a lot of people concern right now. Mm. And on Friday, the chairman of the China Securities Regulatory Commission uh, was quoted as pledging to stabilize markets and prevent what? Uh, while price swings, what, why is the CSRC so concerned, and particularly so early in the year? Yeah, I, I think that they just want to sort of send a message to some of the bigger investors here that they need to be, you know, a little bit more cautious in some of the plays they're making, so as to not make it look as if there is um, volatility in the system. I, I, so I think it's more messaging than anything else. Um, I, I think that 
you know, one of the concerns certainly is, you know, looking, cleaning up this real estate mess right now. Um, I think that news, you know, the news of Shamal, for example, having some problems sort of bled over into the, you know, the daily discussion that the average person on the street is having. And so they're looking at anything they can do to sort of, you know, make the message things are calm. I think that's mm. a big part of it. And, and uh, the, the, the problems we've seen with Shimeo, it's, we saw a big decline in its bonds and its Hong Kong listed shares um, last week. Is this another sign that really the, uh, the, the woes of the property sector haven't gone away yet? Yeah, I mean, I think we're still going through a cleanup period, and I, and I don't think this is something that's going to be solved you know, next week. I, I think we're going to be dealing with this for a while. I think in the case of a you know, developer like Shimao, um, that caught everybody off guard because they're seen as being probably one of the stronger players in the market in terms of how they've handled their financials and sort of in terms of their reputation. Um, but I think we're going to see this happen to more, and we're going to see maybe consolidation in the market, um, these better companies doing the restructuring they need to do. So it's going to be a tough time, but I think ultimately we've probably gotten through the worst of things right now. I think the bigger concern, and, and I think we got this from the government as well, is they've been calling out some smaller local governments that have sort of been, shall we say, creative in raising new tax revenue off mm. the backs of small businesses. And that's something we definitely need to watch uh, going forward. And, and do you think more relief is coming for the property sector from the governments? For, for example, I know banks have been told to increase mortgage loans and, and lower lending rates. Yeah, I think relief is going to come in the form of things that incentivize, incentivize consumers to actually become home purchasers. Um, probably not as much on the you know, corporate bailout side of things, but I think the government very much wants consumers to start spending more. That's probably their principal concern right now. So I think that's where you're going to see a lot of the relief coming. So yes, cheaper mortgages, um, you know, better credit lines, lower reserve ratios for banks, things like that. And we had quite a lot of data out last week, PMI data, about uh, the state of the China economy. What, what did you read into that? Did you get the feeling that maybe this sort of mini downturn that we were seeing in China's economy um, uh, at the end of last year uh, is coming to an end? The, the data seemed to be showing that the economy was bouncing back from that. Yeah, I, I think we're in a good position right now. Um, I think in terms of you know domestic demand, we're okay. Um, you know, it's doing doing you know, store checks right now, it looks like, you know, domestically, the consumer market is actually um, starting to stabilize a little bit. You've got more people going to stores than previously. Um, I think the big question is going to be over the first quarter of this year is what happens with Omicron globally? And does that really uh, throw a wrench in China's exporting or China's manufacturing if some of the, you know, the key um, export partners kind of fall apart a little bit? But it seems like right now, you know, most countries are sort of managing this with a, it's here, it's going to keep going, we sort of have to keep things open mentality. And so I think as a result of that, we should be okay, actually, with the economy here in China. So are the themes for this year in, in the China market, are they going to be pretty similar then to, to last year, things like the virus, the property sector, or do you see anything new that we should be looking at? Um, I, I think those two are definitely going to be major points of discussion, um, certainly through the first half of this year. Um, you know, I, I think the other thing to watch will be once the, the People's Congress happens in the spring, um, does the government then become more sort of outwardly uh, pro-business again in terms of kind of, you know, pushing on the gas pedal and, and really building in more incentives for, for companies, especially in sort of uh, new technology sectors, so further increasing support for EV, further increasing support for biotech, 
maybe less hands-on regulation of the fintech sector. I think those are things we can probably look out for, but those will be coming a bit later in the year. And do you think Chinese stocks overall are a good value for, for investors now after, um, after what we've seen recently? And is there any particular sectors that you would recommend people focus on? I think they are a good value right now. I think that, you know, if you look at China's contribution to overall GDP growth last year relative to its weighting in the MSCI, I think China is, is massively underweighted right now. Um, mm-hmm. I think in terms of good buys, um, you should see a, some degree of rebound in tech this year. But I also think we're going to see uh, strong growth, again, coming from things like new energy, uh, also, some of the sort of the, the big Chinese domestic brands and, and key categories are really sort of starting to take on a leadership position. So I think you'll see some of the alcohol brands continue to do well. You'll see some of the domestic sportswear brands uh, do quite well this year also. Ben, thanks very much indeed. That's Ben Cavender, Managing Director at the China Market Research Group up in Shanghai. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. In the markets this morning in Australia, the ASX 200 is pretty well flat now. Uh, Japanese markets are closed for a public holiday. In South Korea, the Cosby is off about 1.1%. Looks like a very small rebound for the Hang Seng at the open this morning of about 20 or 30 points. Do please join me again tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock for Money Talk. Stay tuned for Back Chat with Janice Wong and Mike Rouse this morning coming up after the news. The weather forecast for today, mainly cloudy, cool in the morning, sunny intervals and some haze in the afternoon. The maximum temperature is going to be around 21 degrees and then sunny intervals and cool mornings in the next few days. 17 degrees right now and the relative humidity is 79%. It's 8.32. Here's Andrew Shawoski with the half-hour news. Health officials say they found no new COVID cases during three overnight lockdowns at residential buildings in Tunmun, Taikak Choi and... Typo. Uh, all three had been sealed off following three preliminary positive cases. Robert Kemp has more. The operations took place at Aegean Coast on Castle Peak Road, Harbour Green on Shenmong Road and Mason Building on Cow Hoi Chick Street. In all, about 1,500 residents were tested. The Typo block had been evacuated because of concerns the virus might have spread through the building. After inspecting Mason building yesterday, microbiologist Yoon Kwok Young said he thought the virus might have spread upwards via a wastewater pipe. Eleven officials who attended Whitman Hung's party last Monday and had their quarantine orders lifted have been instructed by the chief executive, Kerry Lam, to isolate at home using their vacation leave. Aaron Tam reports. In a statement, authorities said that the Center for Health Protection lifted quarantine orders for party-goers, including the 11 officials who left last Monday's banquet before 9.30 p.m. after a 53-year-old woman who attended the party and subsequently tested preliminary positive turned out not to have COVID-19. But to minimize the risk of possible transmission, Chief Executive Carrie Lam has instructed the 11 officials to continue to undergo home isolation. They'll also have to be tested for the coronavirus multiple times. The officials will only return to work once their results are confirmed to be negative. The operator of a mobile vaccination station, Edward Poon, says there was a threefold increase in the number of people getting jabs over the weekend since the first unit started in December. A second station has gone into operation as a retrofitted container that will be transported to different areas by truck. 
The mayor of New York City says at least 19 people, including nine children, have died in a fire in an apartment building. Firefighters who arrived within three minutes of the blaze starting found smoke engulfing all 19 stories. The blaze in the Bronx area has now been extinguished. The mayor, Eric Adams, says many people have been injured. We have over 32 people who are life-threatening at this time, with over 63 people in total. This is a painful moment for us. Men and women that live here, not only in the Bronx, but throughout this city. Uh, This is going to be one of the worst fires that we have witnessed during modern times here in the city of New York. Officials said the fire was caused by a portable electric heater. And that's the news from